yes, continuing week two of Uncommon. So if we find ourselves in James chapter 2, verse 14, I would ask you to get engaged with me today. Um, we're a talkback church because we respond to the communicator. But also, please help me because I'm insecure. <laughs> okay? Amen. All right. Amen. He's insecure. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Verse 14, James, Pastor James would write, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Good afternoon. Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but you don't give that person any food or any clothing? What good does that do? Kind of a rhetorical kind of question James is asking. Verse 17, he says, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. If you read this in the ESV, it will say, faith without works is dead. Good afternoon. <laughs> Welcome to church. Uh, I'm excited to preach this word you're taking notes and I encourage you to do so. The title of today's talk is How Faith Works. How Faith Works. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I pray that you would use me as a vessel, use my voice as a vessel. I, I submit to you to say what you want to say. God, we just say, I, I pray this, that I, I pray that we would all be good soil to receive your word. And so we say, speak, Lord, your servants are listening. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said a big amen. Amen and amen. So we're in this series, Uncommon. Uncommon. You know, uh, that is the call of God on your life. That is the type of life that you ought to live. That's the life that we are called to as, as believers, that we are called to this uncommon life. Because in all honesty, we, we serve an uncommon God. He doesn't do things like the world does. Does things. And, you know, if, if we're going to live this uncommon life, the requirement is that we... We live an uncommon life. A better way to say it is what uh, Jay-Z, Dave Ramsey would say. It's 11.45, yeah. Financial guru, Dave Ramsey, a.k.a. DZ. Just kidding. He says, you got to live like no one else. So later, you can live like no one else. So what we do today, how we live today, affects this uncommon life that we ought to live. And in all honesty, that we're not going to change the world. We're not going to influence the world by being just like it. The world is common. Can I tell you something that is uncommon? The king of kings that we serve. The kingdom that we're a part of. The Bible will talk about how the kingdom is upside down. Uncommon. So I want to, I want to encourage us today to, to first realize this, this truth. That God's called you with this uncommon calling. Amen. You know, I wasn't always a Christian growing up. For the first 20 years of my life, I, I would be raised in the, in the Catholic religion. And reason was, was because my mom's Filipino, and uh, that's how she raised our kid, the, her kids. And, you know, 20 years, you know, it started with infant baptism. Whether I liked it or not, your boy got baptized. My mom was in the last service. I was like, I forgot, Mom, was, was that full immersion or was that, like, sprinkle? And she was like, I, I forgot. I was like, well, if it was full immersion, that's just wrong. Just baby. But then even, like, the water, it's like... You know, like, what are we doing? You know, and then when I got uh, 
to second grade, it was time for my first communion. This was the first time I would receive the bread and the wine. The first time I would drink alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> the spiritual way to say it, it was like you're, you're the Eucharist. Um, I remember in my, at my mom's house, I literally, there's a picture of Omar with a three-piece suit on. And he's like not even looking at the camera. It's just like an awkward angle. But I, 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 and I, got, I, got, I went through first communion. And when I got a little bit older... It was time to get confirmed. It's like this thing you do when you're 15, 16. And, you know, someone once told me, like, hey, you can't get married unless you get confirmed. I was like, well, I'm going to get confirmed then. Let's do it, you know. I would literally do all the things. Go to church every Sunday. And I knew for a perfect hour, I knew exactly when to sit, stand, kneel. It was like a dance at, at some point, you know. Uh, and then, but TikTok wasn't around, so it didn't. <laughs> but I did it all. That, that's how I pictured my relationship with God. I just, I did it all checked off the boxes. I just did whatever I was supposed to do. You know, and it, it, was, even, it, it was even more extreme because, because my mom's Filipino, we, we would have like statues in every room. <laughs> They're called Santa Nino. <laughs> so my entire life, there was just the guy on the side of my bed just going like this. <laughs> and it usually wasn't Jesus. It was just like a saint with a, with a sheep and a staff. And <laughs> or it was Mary praying rosaries, ten Hail Marys, our fathers. I, I just did it all. Then 20 years later, I would find myself in a church very similar to this one, spirit-filled, you know, um, Christian church. And it, it, it honestly rocked me because I was like, wow, there's a lot of good-looking people here. <laughs> that was the first thing I noticed. Like, why is everybody old at my old church? <laughs> I'm the youngest person here. But I would find that, like, oh, young people love God. Wow, who would have thought? <laughs> but, um, but I would hear this, like, radical preaching for the first time. I would hear about the grace of God. And I'd, I'd hear, literally hear communicators and preaching, preachers preach about this grace. And like, I would literally hear words like this. There's nothing you can do for God to love you. There's nothing you can do to earn the salvation from God. It is by grace and grace alone. Oh, can somebody shout a good amen? I'm like, yeah, but wait a second. That's not what I'm used to. All I know is that I have to do something. There's nothing I can do. What are you telling me? I just wasted 20 years of my life. <laughs> but it is true that the grace of God is available, and there isn't anything you can do. And so... Make no mistake, as I, as I try my best to unpack this scripture we, we read just moments ago, I don't want to excuse the fact that we all need the grace of God. Ephesians 2.8 says, it is by grace we have been saved. Salvation is a gift. There isn't anything you can do to work for this salvation. Anybody grateful for the grace of God in this room? <laughs> Ephesians 2.8, it's by grace you have been saved. But then Ephesians 4 Paul would talk about, hey, it's time to walk in this manner worthy of your calling. Worthy of your calling. So, okay, so it's, it's not just. So if we, if we end it at grace, if it stops, if that's the only thing you hear, it's incomplete. Faith by itself is incomplete. If that's all you hear, it's incomplete. Or what, what James would say, it's dead. You know, what's crazy is we, we, don't, we don't know that sometimes because a phrase we often throw around in culture is you got to just have faith. You got to just have faith. Lost your job. Man, just have faith, buddy. <laughs> just have faith. Maybe lost 
You know, I went through a breakup. Hey, just have faith. God, God's going to do something. That's theologically inaccurate. As we read, faith by itself is dead. It does not work. And so, so what is it? You know, I'll, I'll, later on in James, he'll, he, he'll say a phrase. He'll say, he'll, he'll refer to Abraham and say, was not Abraham justified by works? I begin to read that. And I'm like, hmm, Paul says something differently. Paul in Romans would say, was not Abraham justified by faith? So I'm like, what, what is it? What, what is the, is it faith or is it works? Is it works or is it faith? You want to know the secret? It's both. I guess it's not a secret. <laughs> In the right order. In the right order. That is, the order is key. Everybody say order. order. James 2.17. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It's got to produce. That's the key. The key isn't that it's faith and works. It's the key is that it produces, our faith produces good works. And so I'd like to say it like this. Faith is not to be paired with good works. Faith is to produce good works. Everybody say, produce. And so, order matters. And when you get it backwards, you get it wrong. Because faith that produces good works... That's genuine faith. Uh, you could read about genuine, uh, the genuineness of your faith in 1 John. But faith or works that try to produce faith is religion. It's, it's, it's just a matter of order. That's the difference. The difference between religion and relationship is that it has to start by faith. You know, Christianity is about religion or is about relationship. But we could make the mistake by making it a religion. We could make our version of Christianity a religion because it's all about what we do for God. And, and, and God can't use that because that, that faith is dead. God can't, it's impossible to please God. Faith, faith pleases God. And if you didn't know this, God can't fix what you fake. So sometimes we come to church on a Sunday and we act like we got it all together and that we, we know all the songs and we put it, you know, God can't work with that. God can't work with fugazi faith. <laughs> I know this is the young crowd. They got that. All day they're like, fugazi. I don't but this word uh, works in the Greek, it's this word ergon. And the, the literal meaning is function. That, that works is it's, it's function. Another, another way that it's described is it's a result of employment. So you can, you can make a connection here that like if you ever get a job and there's a job listing and there's a job role, but there's, there's KPIs, key performance indicators, things that you should do. And if you are hired as this role and you don't do these things, then you won't have that role anymore. <laughs> it's kind of a way to put it. So I just like I want you to, like Pastor Javen said in the video, we're co-laborers with Christ. We, got, we work for God. And in and, and, and that same way, we could say faith without function is dead. But here's what's so cool. I found that this word in the Greek actually has a cinnamon, synonym. Cinnamon. I'm hungry. <laughs> Some cinnamon right here, right now, Jesus. This, is the, this word is, is karpos. And you know what this word means in the Greek? Fruit. That, 
that our work has some sort of connection with the same idea of what fruit is. The result of, the effect. And if you can notice how fruits are produced, they start in seed form. But when you see a fruit, you, never, you, don't, you only know it's seed by the fruit. So no one's never going to, sometimes people aren't ever going to know why you're so nice or why you love people or why you serve. But the, the seed is what determines that, but, but they only see the fruit. Apple seed is not going to produce lemons. Good morning. And so you don't see seed. We only see fruit. And I would propose this to you. God is not looking at your works. He's actually not. He's looking at your fruit. Faith without fruit is fake. And I don't want this fake faith. I'm sorry. Maybe this kind of woke you up this morning. Like, oh, am I faking it? (laughs) Well, I hope that this might help. Drake says, I just pray the fakes get exposed. (laughs) Young money, you know how it goes. (laughs) Mark chapter 11. Let's go back to church. Omar's fruit. He listens to too much Drake. Um, it says the next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Cinnabon. <laughs> no, but check this. Seeing in a distance of the, a fig tree and leaf, he went out to find if it had any fruit. So then he gets really close. And he says, it says when he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it wasn't the season for figs. My question to you today is, are you only a Christian from a distance? That when somebody looks at your life from a distance, it's like, oh, yeah, they go to church. Oh, yeah, they just go to church. <laughs> but when they get close, when they have conversation, does it show off in your communication? Is it, do you still say those words you still say that you shouldn't be saying? Or is there depth there? You got your Instagram bios hooked up. Got the ocean's favorite song just because you heard it once on a secular radio because it made it that far. <laughs> um, okay. Not too many people get Ocean's Hill Song, you know, the biggest song, Christian song ever. Um, is, is Sunday the most spiritual thing you do all week? I just pray the fakes get exposed. <laughs> no, but the, so here's, here, here, before we jump into it, here's my question. Is your faith bearing fruit or are you faking your faith? John 15, 8, it says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So how do I know my faith isn't fake? Or how do I know my faith isn't dead? Number one, by how I see. By how I see. Uncommon perspective. Verse 15, James says, Suppose you see a brother who has no food or clothing. A brother or a sister who has no food or clothing. Suppose you see a person. You know, How you look at something is more important than what you're looking at. Perspective matters. Faith never sees something at face value. It always looks beyond. In October, I was looking for an office, kind of like studio space that I can work out from. And I looked at a few different places. Me and Amanda, we would call a place, go check it out. And and then we walked into this one place. And I look at it, and there's a family of cockroaches chilling, like, larger than life. The the, the gray, the the, the choice of gray, I don't know, it was just questionable. The the floor was just so dusty. I think the word was 
the place was dingy. <laughs> That's what it was. But I said, hey, babe. She's like, yeah, gross. I was like, this is it. <laughs> Found it. Signed the lease. But it's because I saw some, it, it was how I looked into that room. I saw it with faith. I saw the possibilities. I saw what it could be. But oftentimes we could, we could literally see things at face value and miss out what God's trying to show us. So we can look at something and see something different because we decide what we get to focus on. You decide your focus. We could focus on the bad news or the potential possibility for God to do a work. We could focus on that one offense that that person did to us or value the lifetime of relationship we'll have with that person. This is because faith has a lens. We walk by faith, not by sight. So that means that there is something to look through. It's a faith lens. Can I get a camera real quick? Let's give it up for Angelina. Killing it with her photography group. Saving the world one photo at a time. <laughs> so this is what you would consider like a professional camera. Uh, a lot of people want to buy this, a camera like this because it has what is called interchangeable lenses. You have the ability to change your lens. A lot of people will go to Costco, buy a nice camera with the lens that it comes with. Don't do that. That lens is boo-boo. <laughs> they trick you. But if you really want professional-looking video and photos, you invest into a different lens. And really, there's only one thing that you're investing in as far as what, how the picture works. And that is you're investing in aperture. Aperture is this is the, 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 the thing that controls the amount of light that comes into the camera. So if I get a better lens, I can now control more light to come in. Check this. This is what gives you the blurry background, y'all. I know you want that. Like you buy a camera from a costume, you're like, it doesn't look like it. Doesn't look like it. Well, you, you got to get a different lens. So check this. The more light, the less light you let into a camera, the more it's hard to focus. Everything's in focus. The, the more light you let into the camera, it's actually easier to focus. Can I preach for a second? When we focus our attention on Jesus, he begins to change our focus, our ability to see things. We see things differently. And so we must let more light come in. Let Jesus into your heart and he will change the way you see things. Amen. We see our circumstances, we see people through a lens of faith. And I, and I love this. God does this with us. Did you know that? Did you know that when you put your faith in Jesus, God no longer chooses to see you? He sees his son. He sees the finished work of Jesus. He no longer sees your sins, your mistakes, your shortcomings. He sees, he sees you as perfect because he sees his son. God chooses his focus. And we could do the same. So how I see people matters. You know, you could read, oftentimes if you, if you just take the time to like, you know, let, the, let scripture kind of like flow when you're reading it and not read it so fast. What, what you begin to sense, you, you, be, you begin to find tone. Like you could, you could feel the tone in which something is written. And I, I could sense a tone as he's talking about this example of like you see somebody and you don't even help them. What good is that? There's a tone here of like, why can't you just stick around? Where's the patience? We learned last week that faith produces patience. And so this isn't just the patience that we use when we're waiting in line at In-N-Out for our number. 
Number 21, please. Dang it, five more. No, it's a patience to be used when we feel the least likely to, to want to be patient. We should, we, should see, we should be patient with people. And I love this because James uses family terminology. He says brother and sister. You see a brother and sister. I just want to speak to this for a moment. Because I think a lot of us actually have a lot of our spiritual life like intact. But our, but our family life is in sh- shambles. That the, the biggest frustration for our faith oftentimes comes in our family. Our immediate family. Our, our dad or our mom or something they did or didn't do. Our siblings, our cousins. And so we got this family get together and it's like, oh, again. And I also understand, I, I, I think there's grace for even like if you experience it like with me. Where it's just like your family just doesn't, they just never understood it. Never understood why you spend so much time in church or like why do you live differently you know like and then and then it's like I feel this pressure I feel this pressure to like save my my dad and I did that like first you know the first years of my my walk I just felt like it was my duty to do so but James James gives us the unlock for this he says don't you don't have to share scripture you don't have to convict them just help them just be patient with family ask them what they need bless you Bless your family. <laughs> he would encourage us to, to just be patient. Don't be in a rush. To help them with their practical needs. When's the last time you just helped your family practically? Hey, can I come early and fix the table? Oh, my. Wow. Maybe Jesus has gotten to them. <laughs> you, know, you know, like. <laughs> How I see our, my circumstance matters. The way you. The, how you see your circumstance couple, uh, last week I, I did a, a quick trip to Seattle and we would, uh, you know, I was, I was there for a day. I was supposed to stay a night and then come home the next day. And that next day was Friday. So context matters, I think, I think. Okay. So, so we're like, we get to the airport. I get through TSA pre-check. Boom. We know your flight has been delayed three hours. You know when like your flight gets delayed longer than the flight itself? Like that is, ooh. So we just, we chilling. All right, we'll just hang out at the airport. Wish it got delayed after we got, before we got to the airport, you know. And then it's time to board. So we like, we get to, we get to the gate, scan our tickets. We get into the tunnel and we're just waiting. You know, hurry up and wait, just airport 101. So we're staying in the tunnel and then we hear somebody go, hey everyone, this flight is canceled. <laughs> you guys would be so proud of me. Pastor Omar, just... Holding it, just cool, just held my cool. But it was literally like a movie. Just the different reactions from other people. How could they? Just <laughs> let me talk to my manager. No, just use the desk. I want to speak to a manager, and I'm in line. Like, people went nuts. But I held my cool, you know. But what happens when, when, the uns- when, when uncertainty comes your way? Because that's, that's what the fruit comes out. I saw where people were. It did dawn to me after the fact. I was like, okay, it's Friday night. I'm going home, but I live in Las Vegas. Everyone just like worked their way. They're about to turn up this weekend, and they just got robbed from their turn up. I was like, okay, BC days, I'd call customer service too. (laughs) People's weekends got ruined. I was like, I'm just trying to go home, dog. But how we see our circumstances matter. Philippians 4.8, Paul would write, finally, brothers and sisters, 
Anytime the Bible says finally, this is a good conclusion. Just, just listen. <laughs> Whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Set your, minds, set your mind on things that are above, the Bible says also. But you know what we do? We focus, we're always like, what's the worst that could happen? We literally think about what's the worst that can happen. How often does the worst actually happen? But when you begin to think that, you begin to look for it. So we, we are literally holding like worry in our mind and we're just looking for something to make us worry. But if we keep our mind on things above, if we think about the things of God, I promise you, you'll begin to start seeing God in everyday things. You'll start walking into your office space and you'll see a mission field. You'll walk home and you know that that is your, you know, your, your unit. Your, your, this is my example for the world to see. You start to see things differently, but you'll start to see God in the everyday. Blessed is those who are pure in heart for they will see God. Look for God and the goodness of God in the land of the living. Like, this, we have this ability to do this. Amen? Amen. Point number two. This clock, man, it trips me. I almost like, it's point number two. It says I got four minutes left. I don't know how that happened. Don't just talk about it, be about it. Uncommon character. Let's talk about it and be about it. Uh, James chapter 2, verse 16, it says, if, if one of you says to them, go in peace and keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? You say it, but you don't do it. This is what Jewish priests would say back in that day. They'd say, go on, be blessed. Go in peace, brother and sister, thinking that they're super holy. But their, their, their words didn't line up with their works. If all I did was preach sermons and all I did was lead when people were looking and then when the door gets closed, I'm a completely different person. I've missed it. Do you know that's what integrity is? Integrity is simply being the same person in every room. That there's no the, the integrity, in, integer. There's, there's no distance between who you are when no one's looking and who you are when everyone's looking. That was just for the 1145. <laughs> but I love this because like, Pastor Jabin has taught me a lot about this. And we, we, get, we get pastor on Sunday not just practice what he preaches. He taught me that. That's Omar. He's like, Omar, that's level one. Practice what you preach. Do what you say. Say what you do. But, but what we get on, on Sundays is we get, we get Pastor Jabin who preaches what he's practiced. Pastor Jabin's got receipts. You know what I love too is God's got receipts. John chapter 1 verse 14. And the word was made flesh. It, he didn't just speak the word. He became the word. And dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. And the glory as the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace in truth, I am grateful that the word became flesh, that Jesus put skin and bone on and fulfilled the law and prophets. And he didn't say, I'm just, I'm just going to say what I'm going to do, say what I, I want to be. No, I'm going to be that very thing. I'm grateful God doesn't just say he loved us. And then, all right, I love you. We do that. Love you. <laughs> but he demonstrates his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ came and died. For God so loved the world, he gave. And th this is kind of, it, it, it's in the same way. This is our role too. 
You know, every, every service, we always give the opportunity for somebody to receive Christ. And, and we lead with this scripture, Romans 10, 9. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. That's, that's the truth. But my question is, does your confession line up with your conduct? If that confession is real and you, and you really put your faith in Jesus, it should result in action. Your faith should begin to start functioning. And some of us will never preach a sermon like this. You'll never maybe have a microphone and be able to write a sermon. But the most important and the best sermon you will ever preach is how you live your life. How you live your life. Amen. People are watching your life. Everything's communicating. Everything you do communicates. Your attitude communicates. And you're representing Jesus to your world. Don't forget that. Here's my wisdom call of the day. Don't kill your credibility as a Christian because of your lack of consistency. Where your confession doesn't line up with your conduct. But you, you profess you're a Christ follower, but your actions say something completely different. Everybody say fruit. And by the way, your fruit is talking for you. So is it, I, I hope you, you hear my heart and you hear the tone in this and that it's not me telling you to act different, live different, be different. But just is there fruit of your faith? James 2.19. You say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can, can you, can't you see that faith without good deeds is use, useless? Faith is just intellectual ascension. That you know what to say. You know, when I was growing up and we had posters in our rooms and there was one that always said in every room, every library, knowledge is power. And it had Shaquille O'Neal just chilling. <laughs> I didn't know the connection. Looking back. Um, but that's not true. Knowledge isn't power. Applied knowledge is power. 1 Corinthians 8.1, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Love, faith, hope, these virtues, they're not a concept. They're a construct. If you know scripture but you never serve people, hmm. If you know scripture but you're a man and women of God to the people in your world but your, your home life is, your marriage is in the back burner. If you know scripture but you week in and week out, you just still like to hit the strip. Everybody say fruit. But this is great news for those that are new to the faith. The, the expectation from God and certainly not the expectation from us is that you should memorize scripture. You should be, you should be well on your way. Like that is not the, but this is actually encouraging though. Because all I got to do is be the hands and feet of Jesus. All I got to do is be helpful. Like if I put my faith in Jesus, it would compel me to want to serve. And it should compel me to want to treat people norm, normal, like at least. What good is it if your holiness isn't helpful? Notice that the person didn't say anything wrong. James is not saying this person said something wrong. He, he, he said, th this person says, you say, go in peace, be on your way, and, and make sure you eat some food. Like, that's not a, that wasn't the wrong thing to say. It just wasn't effective. Sometimes we over-spiritualize being able to be practically, to help practical needs, that we lose our effectiveness as Christians. And can I tell you that your, your, your spiritual vernacular 
isn't always the right thing to do or say. The goal is never to be right. The goal is to be effective. There's a difference. And as believers, we should aim to be effective. The, the people on the strip that yell these scriptures, nothing they're saying is actually unbiblical. Is it effective though? It isn't. Stop, guys. You're ruining it for guys like me. <laughs> Praying for you. That's the right thing to say, but is that effective? Hey, let's pray right now. Let's believe God. Let's speak faith. Let's, let's declare scripture. I think a question that we can all ask more for people in our lives is simply this. What can I do to help? What can I do to help? Don't just talk about it, be about it. Amen? Number three, as the keys come up, get this Arab off the stage. I'm half Arab, by the way. Sorry, I didn't mean if I offended. I'd be like, wasn't he Filipino? I'm half. I'm half Filipino, half Arab. It looks Mexican. <laughs> Give it up. Give it up. Uncommon sacrifice. Uncommon sacrifice. There are two things that we should become when it comes, if, if our faith is genuine. If our faith isn't dead, the fruit of that is that we would become generous and we would become more like God, more like Jesus. It says, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? Did you know this, that you can give without believing in God? Anyone can, anyone can give. But you can't believe in God and not give. Something I've discovered is you become more like the thing or the person you spend the most time with. And I hope, you, I hope the theme of this entire sermon was that it led to the idea that the fruit of my faith is that I would become more like Christ. Generosity is not something we do. Generous is who we are. We're, we're generous people. God's gotten a hold of your life. You just can't help but give. Jesus would say it like this. Freely you've received, freely give. It should be an overflow. We, should, we, we can't help but share. And you know what's cool about fake fruit, fruit versus real fruit? Fake fruit is never meant to be shared. It just stays in a bowl. It does nothing. It has the appearance of real fruit, but it's not real. Real fruit it's intended to share because there's always more where it came from. The generosity of God is there's always more that, where it came from. He provides seed to the sower and bread to eat. You know, you don't get the provision until you sow the seed. It doesn't come until this happens because God's trying to get something in your hands. There's this picture. It's like a meme, but it's like a Christian meme, so it's cool. But it's this picture of this little girl holding on her little itty bitty tiny bear. And then Jesus is like this and he has a huge tiny uh, teddy bear behind him. And it, that, that is the picture. Just, oh no, dude, this is this all I got in my bank account. God's like, do you then? There's always more. When we give, you realize. And it's, it, it's unfortunate that you only realize that when you start to give. So start to give. And I'm not just talking money. I'm talking time. I'm talking treasures. Treasures, things you value. What do you value? Give that. Your talents. That resonates with me. 
because I'm super talented. (laughs) 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 I am though. Oh, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, but when I got saved, I didn't, I was a college student. I didn't, I honestly didn't have that much time. I was doing ROTC. I was becoming an officer, but God got a hold of my life. But what I did have, I had skills. I had, I had creativity. I had the ability to take photos and videos in church and and, and, and just because I gave time, God my talents, he's, it started to affect my time and it started to affect my treasures. But I don't know what God's asking you to give today. What's God asking? Maybe he's challenged you to join the serve team. Maybe, maybe he's asking you to, to spend more time with your family. Maybe whatever that may be. I'm not here. I'm, the Holy Spirit is convicting you right now as I'm talking. So the first reason we give is to become generous. The second reason we give is to become more like Jesus. This is sanctification. We don't just give resources, we give of ourselves. This is holiness. Holiness is, what Pastor Jabin says is, is he says, holiness is giving God what he asks for when he asks for it. You don't come to God, we don't, we don't put our faith in Jesus and remain the same. We don't carry the same things. Whatever that is, if it's that addiction, if it's that, that offense you're holding against somebody, God's asking for some of us to, 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 give, that, that, to give that to God. I, later in this letter, James would, would reference uh, the life of Abraham. And he'd say, he would say, do you not remember, don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. So we have faith that faith is faith without works is dead. And then we have faith with our actions are complete. And so it happened, just as the scriptures say in Genesis, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. This is how faith works. What is God asking you to give up? And talk about fruit. Is there fruit to your faith? And I end with this scripture, Jeremiah 17. Look at, look at this awesome promise that when we do lock in our faith in the finished work of Jesus, when we do put our trust in the Lord, look what happens. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream, and it does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green. And it's not anxious in the year of drought. It's not anxious when there's a recession. It's not anxious when there's a a pandemic. It's not anxious when, when circumstances go out of whack, when there's chaos, for it does not cease to bear fruit. City Light, could we be a people that aren't determined or dictated by our circumstance? Could we be a people that are dictated by what is happening in us despite our circumstances? For he is greater in me than he that's in the world. I am not ruled by my circumstance, I'm ruled by my God. And so I put, our, I put my faith in, in, in our chief cornerstone, our, in our, the, the solid rock on which I stand. Our firm foundation. And you know what's cool about this? When you do this, 
you become recession-proof. You, you begin to say, oh, we're in a recession? I didn't know that. Because God's been so good to me. Because I'm just bigger than this recession. So little our recession because we serve a big G God. Amen. Bars. Put your hands together if you got a word from God today.